1: Welcome to today's podcast sponsored by Hillsdale College, all things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Hugh for Hillsdale.com or just Google Apple, iTunes and Hillsdale. I'm joined by Ambassador Nikki Haley. Good morning, Madam Ambassador. Welcome back to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Good to have you. Good
2: morning, Hugh. Great to be back home with you.
1: You know, this is a little bit like coming to the Bermuda Triangle for the last couple of weeks. We had Governor DeSantis and Governor Christie in the last three weeks, and they're both gone. You're down to the final two. It's like the NC2A 64, the round of two. Are you feeling that way? Yeah, look, I mean, this is what
2: we worked hard for. We started with, what, 13, 14 candidates, um, you know, in the race. I had 2%. We wanted to be strong out of Iowa. We came out with 20%. Uh-oh. what we wanted. Sorry. <laughs> That's what we wanted, and we got that. So um, now we're trying to be stronger in New Hampshire before we head to South Carolina, so we feel very good.
1: Uh, Governor, let me ask, are you committed to being in this race through at least the end of March, regardless of what happens in New Hampshire and South Carolina? We have Super Tuesday on March 5th, 16 states, another nine in the next two weeks, and I asked that of Governor DeSantis last week, and he told me he was going to definitely be in through the end of March, and he's gone now. What do you say?
2: Well, I mean, look, we have always said that we're taking it one state at a time. But I, we have definite plans of going, you know, right into South Carolina and right into Super Tuesday. You know, I did something that the other candidates didn't do. I didn't blow through my money. I actually saved it. And I saved it and made sure that we focused on just making sure that we had enough to be on TV in each state. And we have done that. And we are now we have enough to be on TV in South Carolina, and we're going to do it right. And then we're going to keep taking it one step at a time. And so, look, I mean, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We've only had one state vote so far. And I think if you look, there were, you know, 56,000 people in a state of 3 million voted for Donald Trump. Um, That's by no means a coronation. Now we're going to you know, New Hampshire, they're going to vote tomorrow, which is exciting. And then we're going to go on to my sweet state of South Carolina and they're going to vote. And then we're going to go on further. And I think, you know, that's democracy. That's exactly what makes America um, strong. And that's what we're going to continue to focus on. But we feel very good about where we are. We're very confident about you, going into the long haul. And that's what we're going to do.
1: You answered correctly in terms of having money. And that's what I wanted to hear. You've got enough money to, to continue on through March and build momentum no matter what happens.
2: Hugh, I'm going to And so, you know, every state, I am always making sure we have enough money for the next state, not for the one we're in, for the next one. So I have been hoarding my cash and saving it. You know, we haven't had the big buses. We didn't do all the private flights during the summer and everything like everybody else did. we stayed in a lot of garden ends and residence ends, and that's because... The only thing that matters when you're spending your money is touching a voter and you touch a voter, you know, through TV, through radio um, and in person. And so that's what we've done. We've been very smart with how we spend it and we're spending every campaign dollar wisely.
1: I want to frame this question fairly. If you don't win, will you endorse the former president? And if you win, do you expect the former president to endorse you?
2: Well, I have always said that I was going to support the Republican nominee because anybody is better than a President Kamala Harris. I stand by that, but I have every intention to win this race.
1: And are you ruling out completely no labels?
2: I have ruled. I have never talk to them. I've never been interested in that. I am a Republican um, and through and through. And I intend to go and and run on the Republican Party ticket and win on the Republican Party ticket.
1: That was my understanding. Now, Ambassador, the next question that I was going to ask at the NBC Salem debate in Miami, we ran out of time and I've saved it because I want to ask it of you. And I, I remember exactly how I was going to phrase it. I believe you are the first mill spouse to ever run for the presidency. And a mill spouse is a different thing that a lot of people won't understand. It's a spouse of a military member. I'm right about that. Do you get support from them on the road from that community because you are of that community? And while I ask that, how is your husband doing on his deployment?
2: Thank you. Yes. I mean, the number of military families that show up to our events I mean it's we have a bond there's a bond with military families we know the sacrifice we know the pride of our loved ones but we also know it's hard it is very hard for the spouses it's very hard for the member who serves it's hard for the kids that are involved in it and so there's a bond that we have and um, and I'm proud of each and every one whether it's a veteran who's served and retired or whether it's a family who's still active um, you know we I, I just all I can say is it's an it's an amazing special bond that I'm proud to have and yes, my husband he is doing well he is in an area that is um Quite sensitive or active at this point, um, but it, that's pretty much every place in the world. So, um, but they're doing great, and I'm proud of him. I, it, I really, he's like my right arm. It's hard not having him here, and I think for him, it's hard for him not to be here, um, going through this with me. But um, I love and support him, and he loves and supports me, and so that's what gets us through it.
1: I make if we have time, I'll come back to this, but I want to ask now about with a husband deployed. This this really matters, I think, on a different level for you. American troops are under attack in the Middle East. Al-Assad, the base in Iraq, was shelled. There was a serious injury. No one was KIA, but a serious injury. Two SEALs died. They were declared dead this weekend after a 10-day search. What do you make of President Biden's response to the attacks on our troops? And why did we send SEALs instead of just blowing up the ship uh, in, in the Red Sea where they were? I guess it wasn't the Red Sea, where they were lost. Why, why not just blow up the ship with the Iranian arms on it?
2: I mean, look, I, the only thing I can do to explain what's happening with Biden is he's just uh, scared of his own shadow. He is yet to make a decision. He's gotten everything wrong. And I'm not saying that as, a, as someone who's running against him for president. I'm saying, look at everything from Afghanistan to how that happened, but how he had a whole year before Russia invaded Ukraine. He did nothing. He did nothing to push back on China. The idea that we have how many it's well over 140 strikes on our men and women in Iraq and Syria, as a president, not only is your job to protect Americans, you've got to have the backs of your military. You know, as a military spouse, I want to know that our commander in chief is taking care of them. If they're sacrificing for us, what are you doing to fight for them? And he's not doing it. And it's because he's more worried about upsetting Iran and Russia and China than he is about protecting our American military and what they need to do and what they should have done a long time ago is he made a... Terrible mistake when he lifted those sanctions on Iran. We worked really hard um, when I was in the administration trying to make sure that we got out of the Iran deal, that we kept those sanctions high, that we held it accountable because we knew every dollar that went to Iran went to a terrorist proxy, whether it was Hamas or Hezbollah or the Houthis or any of those proxies in Iraq and Syria. We knew that's what it did. No good came out of it. And not only did he lift the sanctions, He's allowed China to spend billions of dollars importing oil from Iran. And now we're seeing them pay the, you know, pay the price of it. And so the first thing you got to do is you got to get the sanctions back on. The second thing we need to do is we need to take out whatever facilities they are using to put, the, to do those strikes with. And then you go further and you take out these Iran military leaders that are making these decisions. You do that and you punch hard. They get back on their heels, but right now they smell blood in the water. They smell weakness, and they're going to keep on doing this until you give them a good punch in the face and let them know that you're not putting up with it anymore.
1: Former President Trump ordered the killing of Soleimani when he landed in Iraq. Should a similar action now follow from the Biden administration on Iranian targets operating outside of Iran?
2: You have to go after the people making these decisions to kill Americans. And that is Soleimani was a good hit at that time. He was somebody who was really the orchestrator of everything that was happening. And by doing that, it left Iran completely flat-footed. And it took their breath away. That's exactly what you have to do, is you have to go after the people making these decisions. You look even what Israel's doing with Hamas. They're going after the people who are making the decisions on the strikes there. That's what leaders do. You go to the heart of the problem. You don't go play around the edges and play footsie. You go to the heart of the problem, and you make sure you do whatever it takes to prevent war and protect
1: Americans. Madam Ambassador, do you think Iran wants a regional war, Khomeini or the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, because they are as aggressive as they have been since Ronald Reagan smashed them in the late 80s with Operation Praying Manus. Do you think they want a war?
2: They are very aware that they would not do well in a war. I think they're very aware of all that. But what they do want, and they've always wanted, is they want us out of the Middle East. They don't want us there. They want to control more of the oil. They want to make sure that they have a strength in the region and that they have power. And so they want to do enough to push us out, to scare us off. That's been their goal from the very beginning. But they know that they can't handle a war with us. That's why it doesn't make sense why Biden's not punching them once, because they know that once we wake up and once we punch, then they retreat. And that is yet to happen in all these years, even with all the military who've been wounded and and died from this.
1: Now, uh, when we come back to, from break, uh, Madam Ambassador, I believe this race has been shaped by the indictments, by the invasion on 10-7, by the incompetence of the Biden administration, by the inflation that we're living with and by the appeasement that you just talked about. And we'll cover all of those. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm talking with Ambassador Haley. Ambassador Haley, by the way, do you think the Fed is going to lower rates between now and the election?
2: I mean, look, I think that the problem is the Fed has been so political up until now. They never should have allowed all that cash to flow into America. If they were really trying to take care of a strong dollar, they would have told the president it was a bad idea. And then now we've seen them play politics. I don't trust them.
1: I don't trust them. Me. i mean, right back with Ambassador Haley. Don't go anywhere, America. All of it will play on the radio show. Don't go anywhere. It's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back, America. I'm talking with Ambassador Nikki Haley. Uh, Governor Joe Cahill of News Nation tweeted out on Saturday, quote, Haley has been sharpening her attacks against former President Trump in the final days of her campaign. Multiple times last night and again today, Haley suggested Trump is too old and questioned his mental competency. That was Saturday at uh, 3.50 p.m. yesterday on Face the Nation. You also judge this. Are you arguing that the former president is mentally incompetent?
2: No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that this is just common sense. You, If you have two men running for president that are in their 80s you are going to get what you get when you've got two men running in their 80s look at joe biden two years ago he is very much diminished from when he started because this job is hard there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of late nights you've got to make some tough decisions and it wears on you and so you know this is tough if you're 50 years old it's even tougher if you're 80 years old because you can't do as much as you could when you were younger. That's a fact, any doctor will tell you that. And so what I'm saying is when he recently, I was asked about these gaffes that he had where he for some reason thought that I prevented security from going to the Capitol on January 6th. And he said it three and four times and went on for this whole thing about how I was responsible. And the fact that he got confused and didn't, didn't acknowledge the fact that it was actually Nancy Pelosi he was supposed to be talking about than me, or the fact that he said that, you know, biden's going to get us into world war ii which i'm assuming he meant world war iii it doesn't mean he's mentally incompetent it means that when you have someone that is at that age you were going to see that kind of decline and look at how fast it declined with biden but think about what america's saying 70 percent of americans don't want trump or biden and it's not because it's personal it's because they want a new generational leader we look at congress it's the most privileged nursing home in the country we're looking at either having more of the same or going forward with a new generation that's why you see so many young people excited about having somebody else is because they don't want to put their hands, their lives, and their futures in the hands of people. Ma- Madam Ambassador, do
1: you think President Biden is infirm? I think he's frail, and I use the word infirm. I don't think he's got dementia the time. I'm not a doctor. I just think he's frail. Do you think... President Biden isn't too infirm to do this job.
2: I am very concerned about Joe Biden. It is why I've always said that the one we're actually running against is Kamala Harris, because a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for Kamala Harris. And, I, you know, you can look back. I saw it. They were showing a clip recently of him in the debate when he was running. And, Hugh, to see the difference in him just from then to now is I mean, just truly
1: like. Do you think former President Trump is more fit than President Biden is, relatively speaking?
2: Yeah, I think we can see that. Like, you can see that he is, you know, he's not moving slow like Biden. He's not, you know, mumbling his words like Biden. But he is still someone who's going to be 80. And I think that that's the part that you have to look at Is, I mean, really, is America going to settle for that? But it's more than that, Hugh. It's not just about age. Look at the fact that the majority of Americans disprove of biden and disprove of trump the majority of americans see that both of these presidents put us trillions of dollars in debt and our kids are never going to forgive them for it both of these presidents had focused on talking about the investigations that are against their families their hurt feelings and vendettas that they want to get taken care of We need someone with no drama, no vendettas, that's focused on the future. We've got to get our inflation down and get our economy back on track and get that wasteful spending out of the way. We've got to get our kids reading again and go back to the basics on education. We have to secure our border with no more excuses. And we've got to bring law and order back to our country. And we've got to take these enemies on head to head and do everything we can to prevent war. And that's not something you could do if you're distracted. And that's not something if you're doing, if you're slowing down because we can't afford that right now
1: don't go anywhere america i'm coming right back on the air across 475 stations with ambassador nikki haley i'll be right back on the Hugh hewitt show Welcome back, America. I'm with Ambassador Nikki Haley. It's a two-person race. It will be a two-person race for the Republican nomination until it is over between former President Trump and Ambassador Haley. Ambassador Haley, I want to talk about the indictments, the invasion, and the incompetence. Um, Dan Balls in The Washington Post wrote yesterday, quote, The indictments consolidated Trump's support rather than fracturing it. This was the biggest of the game changers. Do you agree with that, that the uh, indictments in Manhattan, Georgia, and the two sets of indictments by Jack Smith turned the momentum towards the former president?
2: Yeah, I think that's probably that's pretty accurate, because I think you look at the fact that he wasn't doing um, as strongly as he would have been otherwise until all of a sudden we saw these these, you know, court cases come against him. And some have been very political, some not. He's going to have to defend himself. But think about this, Hugh, right now. The day before the election, he's in court. And you look at all the days he's going to be in court, rightly or wrongly, whether he should be there, it doesn't matter. The fact that he's going to be in court instead of being able to focus on what to do to get our country going forward, that's what this is about. Well, this is not personal for me. I voted for Donald Trump twice. I was proud to serve America in his administration. I agree with a lot of his policies. But I'm doing this because I don't want my kids to live like this. And I'm worried about the future. I know what these enemies can do because I dealt with Russia, China, and Iran every day. I'm an accountant. And I see the fact that our economy, in two years, will be paying more money on interest than we will on our defense budget. I look at the fact that the average home buyer in America now is 49 years old. The American dream is leaving our kids. We don't have time to be distracted. All right. Because I want to ask what about though, are hoping will happen.
1: the broader world. Uh, yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, there was a story on the Israel War of Survival for uh, its self-preservation. Quote, Biden administration officials have begun to scale down their expectations for the war to Hamas's degradation as a security threat from its utter destruction. I don't really care what the Biden administration's expectations are. I think they're trying to weaken our allies' resolve, Madam Ambassador. What do you think?
2: I think it's disgusting. I mean, I think it's absolutely disgusting. I mean, don't go in there and say and do all this bluster and say you're going to help a friend and then get bored and say, I want to get out. I don't like this anymore. That's not what being a friend is. But more than that, that's not how you prevent war. Israel's always been the tip of the spear when it comes to defeating terrorism. The fact that he's giving up already, knowing that Iran is doing that to our troops in Iraq and Syria, knowing that Hezbollah is continuing to get aggressive, knowing that Hamas has said they're going to go back and do this again. It really defies logic, but it shows how tired Biden is. He gets tired easily of the issues that are there to pr- protect Americans. That's what I'm most concerned about. I told someone, the one thing that keeps me up at night is what happens between now and Election Day.
1: Right, and what happens during a transition. Let's close there, Madam Ambassador. The Chinese Communist Party is watching all of this. Do you think they have a target list? Are you afraid that they might do something beyond Taiwan? I know you're worried about Taiwan, but beyond Taiwan? Because we are at a, a low point of American national power and prestige? They have always wanted to dominate the
2: global supply chain. They've always wanted to dominate the conversation in the world. They've always wanted to be the ultimate superpower. They've spent years trying to plan for this, but they had a major setback with the elections in Taiwan. That was a win for democracy. That was a win for freedom. And it was a punch in the face to them at a time where they were doing a lot of intimidation by drones, by misinformation and everything else. But we can't take our eyes off of China. And that's what Joe Biden's doing hes sticking his head in the sand. And we've got to start waking up and realizing we have to treat them the way they treat us. They see us as an enemy. We've got to look at them as an enemy.
1: Very last question, Madam Ambassador. There are negotiations underway about the border. I am against any deal that does not include construction of 900 miles of wall. Are you insisting on wall on the border?
2: I don't just want the wall. I want the wall. I want 25,000 more Border Patrol and ICE agents. I want to defund Sanctuary cities. I want to go back to remain in Mexico. And instead of catch and release, we need to go to catch and deport. This is unbelievable that this is the United States of America and we're allowing this to happen. There's it, we're acting like it's September 10th, and we better remember what September 12th felt like. It only takes one.
1: Uh, Madam Master, thank you for your time. Keep coming back. Good luck tomorrow, and I know you're going to work right through the finish line of the tape and then on to South Carolina and Super Tuesday. Thank you for joining me. Keep coming back.
2: Thanks. Go to NikkiHaley.com.
1: NikkiHaley.com. Back America, I'm Hugh Hewitt. John Campbell, former congressman extraordinaire, joins us. Look through the chaos.com. Good morning, Congressman. I don't think you were up early enough to hear Nikki Haley, were you?
3: I was not. I did uh, uh, go on X and see a little bit of a summary. So so, a so little bit.
1: Um, what what is your guess for tomorrow? I have no idea. New Hampshire confounds me every time I have a guess about it.
3: Yes, because it's an open primary and, and it's not a closed primary. So you don't actually know who's going to vote um, and and what those people's motivations are. Uh, I, I have no reason to believe that what the... Uh, what the majority of the polling says is inaccurate that Donald Trump's going to pull it out I, I think if if Trump wins it and there's still no and Nikki Haley doesn't have an opportunity to win her home state then it's probably over but she could surprise and if she surprises and wins New Hampshire, it means we go on another couple of weeks at least in this primary haven't yeah I? the
1: South Carolina primary isn't to the end of February and if she I think if she gets over forty percent. We're definitely going on through Super Tuesday, but who knows? She says she had the money. You are a veteran of campaigns, and so you will understand when she she went out of her way to say, "I didn't spend all my money. I saved my money for the next state." What do you think that's real?
3: I do, and I also think she's going to get more money. There is uh, she has been the repository for some months for the let's call it the traditional. Um, Conservative corporate business, uh, and I'll use a term that's considered a pejorative, but it's but it's explanatory. It's sort of the country club Republican money, and she's been the repository for that for some months, which has hurt Ron DeSantis. And that was money Ron DeSantis was hoping would would move towards him, not necessarily because of his policies, but because of his personality and his success in Florida. But it didn't. It didn't. It didn't get to. Uh, to to Ron DeSantis. So it's been with her. So I don't think she's going to run out of money before Super Tuesday. So if she wants to stay in the fight through Super Tuesday, my guess is she will have the resources to do so. Ron DeSantis did not, which was why he had, uh, amongst the reasons, clearly that he had to pull out. He wasn't going to do well in New Hampshire. That's not well suited for him. Uh, Neither is necessarily South Carolina, where he's running against a very popular former president and a former governor. So very difficult for somebody else in that. So the the congressman Campbell, normally we talk,
1: we normally talk economics. I'm going to, but I want to read to you what I read to Ambassador Haley. It's a quote from the Washington Post story yesterday by Dan Balls, the, the, the dean of American political correspondence. Dan's very good. He's very fair. Quote, the indictments consolidated his support rather than fracturing it that was the biggest of the game changers. He's talking about where did the Trump support come from? I I read that to the ambassador.
3: She agreed with that. Do you? I do. I 100% agree with that. Um, You know, Hugh, I still give speeches on politics, normally these days, often to business groups who are wanting to know, what's the landscape look like? You know, what do you think is gonna happen? They have economists who come tell them what they think is gonna happen in the economy. They ask me in politics. And um, I absolutely think that the, the core Trump supporter voter uh, sees themselves as someone who is being left behind, uh, who the elites don't care about, who the people running the governments, running the major institutions the United States don't care about. Donald Trump cares about them. And in many cases, they believe he's truly the only person who cares about them or who really cares about them that much. When he suffers injustice they see that as a, a, um, a moniker, if you will, of the injustice they receive every day out there in the world, in the job market, in schools, in education, in whatever. And, and so I think when they went after him, uh, meaning the Department of Justice, but Biden administration and, you know, the Alvin Bragg the and, and Fannie Willis, yeah 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 a cabal of entertainment media um education etc went after him uh they say well they're they're going after him as as an as a a a uh is really going after me uh he's he stands for me, so when they go after him they are going after me and i think that absolutely consolidated and firmed up his support i I agree with that completely
1: are they right to think that because I believe this is a miscarriage of justice. I believe it is a perversion of the system. It is not one rule. not, And I think Jackson is completely out of control and an inappropriate choice. Theories are the change and will be overturned, even though they will convict Trump. And I don't think the elite media understands that most people like us believe he's getting screwed.
3: No, you're the lawyer. I'm not. I'm the accountant. But but of the four cases, uh, the only one in my view that has any legitimacy whatsoever. I mean, that New York one is absolutely ridiculous. The banks got paid back. They you know, has anybody ever gotten a loan by by telling a bank that they thought their house might be worth a little more than maybe they could really sell for? I mean, it's ridiculous. Absolutely The only one that has any legitimacy at all is the records one. And if he's guilty of that, then. Biden is guilty of the records in his Corvette. Uh, John, I want, to,
1: I want to insert here. Hillary. I've been dealing with the National Archives and Record Administration since 1989. Actually, before that, because my friend John Negresto got nominated to be the archivist of the United States, and he got shot down by the professional archivist. So I, I've known about NARA for 35 years. It's a left-wing place. They started this, right? Most presidents never, ever deal with this. And so the administrative state is real, and they hate Donald
3: Trump. And they've given him. Right. That's his superpower is the people who hate him. Right. Right. No, you're, no, you're right. I'm saying that's I'm not saying it was legitimate. I'm saying it, it's of the four. It's the most legitimate. Uh, and and yes. And when you talk about the elites in media and so forth, no, they don't get it. They do not understand it because they don't understand. They don't they haven't understood the Trump support since 2016. One of the things I think people, you know, he does say some things that many of us in the political class wish he wouldn't say and 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 does some things. But if you go back to 2016, his political instincts are outstanding. And I know, uh, you know, we're not cashing this thing in yet, but. People are already starting to speculate on who he picks for vice president. And and I'm telling people, whoa, 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 wait wait a minute. His political instincts are outstanding. He yes, he wants somebody who's loyal, but he also wants somebody who's going to help him win. And and he is and he's good at that. I mean, he saw things in 2016 that nobody saw, by the way, including yours truly didn't see it. And And me. And me. uh, Now I do right and now it's mostly do, anger it's mostly What's you doing? said
1: it's the people have been left behind the forgotten man and they really hate a Justice Department that doesn't work and they also don't like uh, uh, you know president of Harvard being picked because she's clearly not the best person to run Harvard and that issue set and then Israel gets invaded and that the issues came to Trump I don't know if Haley can stand no. against the first wave if she does this could be a race I'm, I've got no dog in this fight but the issue set came to the former president.
3: Right. It it it, it absolutely did. And um, and as it turns out, not including himself in those debates, a number of the decisions he's made so far have have in certainly in retrospect turned out to be good ones uh, for his campaign, I believe. So so he as I say, his political instincts are very good. And I think. Um, uh, He will. It was Richard Nixon many decades ago who said, you know, you run right in the primary and then you move to the left in the general in order to win. And he won in 1968 and 72 by doing so. But um, for Donald Trump, it's a little different. I think he runs a little more. I'm going to use this term again, not a pejorative, but a little more crazy in the in the primary. But you can already see after Iowa, he's settling down a bit. His his rhetoric is settling down a bit. And he's and I think he will be a little more calm, calm reassuring.
1: Yep, I agree. Correct. Now, now Congressman, I've got to ask you, we normally do economics. I've got I've got to ask you about this story. This is in the Financial Times. And you haven't been up yet long enough to read the Financial Times. This, the headline is... I do subscribe. <laughs> I know, and it's a great newspaper. It's probably the best. If I had it only get one very... newspaper, I think it would get the financial Times. Companies' reluctance to roll back prices poses U.S. inflation risk. And this is the first paragraph. Central bankers and Biden administration officials are concerned that the reluctance of companies to lower prices to pre-pandemic level risks undermining efforts to cool inflation. I think that is the most economically illiterate Position I've ever read. Companies are reluctant to roll back to pre-pandemic levels in order to help the government cool inflation. How stupid is that statement?
3: <laughs> Very stupid. And actually, I did see that because the thing about the Financial Times is it's in London, so it's nine hours ahead. So last night I saw this. I saw this morning's paper. Uh, you know, before I went to bed, and I saw that thing. And they were giving some examples of of products that have a brand uh, that cost a lot more than an equivalent product without a brand. Well, guess what? As someone who's been in business forever, that's what branding is about. That's yes. why you brand things. That is is so you can charge more for it uh, so that you're not a commodity anymore because people want Kleenex as opposed to, to tissue paper, because they see a value and a, and a consistency and something they trust in the brand Kleenex. So that's what branding is about. And and again, the idea, and this is this elite uh, kind of uh, the cluelessness that they're sitting there saying, well, wait, I'm Joe Biden. I need to get reelected. Why is Nabisco not cutting their prices to lower inflation to help them? <laughs> well, because because they have to make money <laughs> and because they they have dividends to pay and they have stockholders and they have CEOs it's 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 a, they're already John you you used to be a car dealer on. why well, aren't the car dealers
1: going out on the lot and lowering their prices John why aren't they doing that it will help Joe Biden
3: Well, they are on electric cars because they can't sell them. But uh, that's a whole nother story that that, that we can get into. But it's absolutely crazy. It's 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 nuts. And the thing is, many of these companies are going woke. So they're doing that. They're already helping him. But he's like, well, I not only want you to go woke, I want you to go broke. So so do all that to help me because I'm Joe Biden and I and my my, uh, ways are better. I hope you write look through the
1: chaos on that one paragraph. I, I just think it's the dumbest thing I've ever read on economic. And and you know I don't know economics. I'm not a business guy. Yeah, I
3: I know. But that I, I is, know, but it's it's that's dumb. It, it is. It's it's it it is dumb, but they are they are doing a bunch of things. They want they want these they want the economy. They're scared to death that unemployment goes up or inflation goes up or something like that between now and November. And if it's gonna to happen the, because they're morons. Whether the party in power wins or not, the biggest predictor is unemployment. And they do not want that to go on up. Look through the chaos dot com. Go sign up for John
1: Substack, look through the chaos dot com. Thank you, John. Always a pleasure to speak with Congressman Campbell on a Monday. I'll be right back on the Hugh Hewitt Show want well, to remind everyone, a great sponsor of the program is MyPhDWeightLoss.com. Generalissimo went on that program more than a year ago, lost 50 pounds. He's kept it off. And uh, stress eating is not allowed, I don't believe, even though we're under a lot of... sure uh, uh, tempted a, a, to
0: this week, aren't we?
1: Uh, everybody is. Uh, but, but we don't... They, I'm sure they give you tricks of the trade to combat that because that's one of the habits. You broke that habit. You're not going by Del Taco or Taco no. Bell. Have not. No, You haven't relapsed. Have not relapsed. And Um, that is, and it's healthy, it's wise, it's productive. 864-644-1900. That's 864-644-1900.
2: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Good morning to you. Selena Zito, columnist for the New York Post, for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, for the Washington Examiner, and my regular Yinzer Report correspondent on Monday morning. How are you, Selena? Good Monday to you.
4: Good morning, sunshine. How
1: are you? I am terrific. I read your piece on Dave McCormick. I'm going to come back to it in a moment because I want to talk about Pennsylvania's next senator because I think he's going to win. But first, I want to ask you, Ron DeSantis dropped out. You spent a lot of time with all these people. You spent a lot of time with former President Trump, with with Governor DeSantis, with Nikki Haley. Are you surprised that we've ended up in New Hampshire with two candidates, Trump and Haley, and it's just those two candidates?
4: Had you asked me uh, a year ago at this date, yeah, I would have said yes. If we remember correctly, last year at this time, people were still, uh, Republican voters were still kind of smarting from a lot of bad candidates that Trump endorsed and lost in Boston Senate and House races. And and they weren't happy with him. This was before all the indictments. Um, however... I have a piece that's coming out today, and I wrote this down. Do you remember when President Trump went to East Palestine, Ohio? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I wrote down on that day, because I was not very bullish on him. I thought he had a lot of problems. And I wrote down on that day that if this election, if he is somehow able to redeem itself himself, it started this day, the day he decided to show up because this was very symbolic of all the things that Trump got right in 2016. And and so, so at this time last year, I would have been surprised.
1: And the border ago, issue has always been the border issue, and it came to him. The election issues that sort of came to Donald Trump, he didn't have to go to it. It came to him. And we'll talk about that depending on, but now I want to talk about Ambassador Haley for a moment. Um, I believe the debates did their job. She did the best on the debates. And she's, it was like the qualifying yes. round, right?
4: Right. And she was rewarded for that, right? This is the reward. You get to go to this next place because you did so well in the debates. It would have been really fascinating to have seen Trump debating with them as well. I, I think that maybe we would have seen this over in the fall as opposed to right now. However, Um, She earned her place um, where she is tomorrow, where she is in New Hampshire. And and, you know, the the process of of the primary, I always and caucuses are very interesting. It's always good to see healthy, robust competition. And um, it's not always wonderful to see the name calling and the, you know, the negativity. But that's American politics.
1: I, I don't believe the race is over. I I think we're going to go at least through March, but I've been wrong as often. I've been right. Everyone's what do you think?
4: I don't know if she does not perform well tomorrow, Tuesday. Yes. My day's all mixed up. I've been everywhere. Uh, If she does not perform well or she underperforms. um, in in, What is
1: that number, Selena? What is that percent?
4: If she is not within ten percentage points of Trump, it's a problem.
1: All right, that's that's a fair definitely- that's a fair assessment. Now I want to turn to Dave McCormick because I have great hopes for the West Point graduate and and Pittsburgh native, but he is getting hammered by Democrats as not really being from Pennsylvania, which is like saying I'm not really from Ohio. So if I moved back to Ohio yes. two years ago and I wanted to run for Senate, and I I moved back to Warren and I ran. I would be from Ohio. I do not know how anyone doesn't think Dave McCormick isn't from Pennsylvania. But you're right about that. Explain that to people.
4: So um, I decided to take a look at this race, viewing profiles of both men from their hometowns and who shaped them. Right. Um, everyone's going to parachute into Pennsylvania and everyone's going to cut and paste and write the same story in a different way. Um, to, but I think it's important to understand both men and where they came from and who shaped them. And I was, you know, Dave McCormick's um, background in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, is like a really great '80s movie with Jim Belushi. The friendships that were formed in that in that in that area are the kinds that last forever all the, the right experience. moves
1: with Tom Cruise it's it's a 1970s yeah, yeah. movie yeah
4: I mean, after spending a few days there I'm like I feel like I'm in the most delightful 80s movie um, that I've ever been in and I'm having a really good time because these people they are all like all of his friends whether they went to the Secret Service or became the the, the town um, uh, police chief or went on to start their own businesses they were all very competitive and very, very, uh, I, I think there was a lot of pranks that would happen. Oh, he's but such a yinzer.
1: Him, McCormick is such yeah. a yinzer. And I don't know that anyone really? is going to be able to out-yinzer him, can they? Can Bob Casey out-yinzer him?
4: You know, here, here's his challenge. You know, he, he grew up in Scranton, but, you know, his dad was... Auditor general, um, you know, he was a state treasurer, then he was governor. So a lot of their childhood was brought up in Harrisburg. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a different kind of experience. It's not a bad one, but it's very different from your I average. can't
1: read I cannot wait to read part two. It's gonna be the most interesting Senate race of twenty twenty four. And Selena Zito, of course, is all over it. For everything, Selena Zito, follow her on Twitter at Zito Selena, the site now known as X, or go to SelenaZito.com.